Moses begins his final address to the nation involving explanations of the law, encouragement for future battles, and promises of a prophet to come. On The Bible Brief. Did you know that The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show? Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. Speeches are given every day. Speeches are given at graduations, at convocations, at political events, at wedding toasts. Speeches are given by the top of the class, a wise scholar, an industry expert, or a best friend. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't escape speeches. They are a fact of life. Speeches have qualities that are significantly different than normal conversation. They often involve an invitation, a measure of formality, an extended monologue, and a purposeful delivery by the speaker. They carefully consider their content to ensure it fits the context. They weave together commonalities among the audience to effectively communicate their message. But a speech is not an end in itself. Speech without purpose is like an epic quest with no destination. In fact, everything about a speech must be laser-focused on purpose in order to create a change in the audience. Gestures support the purpose to provide emphasis on key points. Vocal rising and falling draws the audience in. But most importantly, words themselves communicate the purpose. It's an honor to be invited to give a speech, but the honor is set in stone if the purpose of the speech changes the hearers. The speech takes on a life of its own as the words are applied to the hearts and minds of each person. And maybe, just maybe, if you've given a great speech, the people will remember it. But what makes a speech truly great? Think about the great speeches you have heard. I'm sure that there are only a few that you remember, but you remember them for a reason. There was something about them that made them stick. Perhaps one of the greatest speeches in the modern era was given by the British leader Winston Churchill in May of 1940. He had just become the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom amid the Nazi threat from Hitler looming large. The German army had begun the invasion of four European countries just three days prior, and Great Britain was the next prize in Hitler's mind. This island nation off of Europe was looking at one of the most powerful military forces in the history of the world and they were looking to Winston Churchill to guide them against this force. And so Churchill stood behind the podium to deliver these words. I would say to the House, as I said to those who have joined the government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask what is our policy? I will say it is to wage war by sea, land and air, with all our might, with all the strength that God can give us. To wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark and lamentable catalogue of human crime. That is our policy. You ask. What is our aim? I can answer in one word. Victory. 
Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Let that be realized. Churchill took the mantle of leadership at a time of intense struggle and told the people not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. Their road would be long and difficult. And as he said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. But what made it such a great speech? Context, character, and courage. Crisis for the nation provided the context. Churchill himself was of an unyielding character, and courage was his purpose. In the speech he offered struggle, but not without hope. The final words are words of courage. He says, Come then, let us go forward together with our united strength. Context, character, and courage. Critical elements of the great speeches of all time. Moses, like Churchill, was the leader of a nation at a time of national importance. He was the great leader chosen by God to lead Israel out of their Egyptian slavery. He was the great leader who stayed steadfast in the wilderness when complaining was all he could hear. And though at times while his life was even threatened by the people of Israel, he yet remained faithful to God. Moses was a great leader, and before ending his days on earth, he would give one last speech to the people. A speech that forms almost the whole of the book of Deuteronomy. One of the great speeches of all time. A speech not remembered for 300 years, but for over 3,000 years. And this great speech had all the critical elements. Context, character, and courage. Context. Israel was at the end of 40 years in the wilderness. They had seen the greatness of God's love and provision for his nation and they had seen the severity of his judgment upon their father's unbelief and disobedience. They had been victorious in battle after battle as a taste of what they would expect in the war for Canaan. And they were here, a mere glance across the Jordan River from the promised land. The land was theirs, but they were going to have to fight for it. This was a nation on the road to victory. Character Moses had proven himself to the nation over and over again. He was the leader that the nation needed to go before them into the wilderness, to go on their behalf onto Mount Sinai, and to pray for them for God's mercy for their rebellion. He was humble and he was bold. Moses was a man of character. Finally, courage. The content of the speech is content that's both explanation and encouragement. Moses looks backward at their traveling in the wilderness at the giving of the law, and at all the major points of rebellion and victory. He looks at them, explains them, and tells essential lessons from the laws and experiences of the nation. Put simply, the message of the speech is largely this. Believe Yahweh, follow the law, and take the land. This great speech by Moses had all the critical elements. The context of conquest, the character of a great leader, and the courage needed to press on to take the land of Canaan. But Moses' speech also had an element that elevated it above the great speeches of our time, because his speech wasn't just his speech. God was also behind his words, 
and God spoke through Moses about events that happened, events about to happen, and some things that would be centuries away. Only God can do this, and this electrifies the speech of Moses. The speech isn't merely encouraging, it's prophetic. The speech tells of many things to come for the nation, both good and bad, future successes and future failures. But critically, it briefly focuses on someone who is to come, someone who will be a lot like the prophet Moses, the one who had delivered the law to the people as he was given it by God himself, the one who spoke God's words on God's behalf with God's approval. In the middle of this speech, Moses anticipates this coming prophet, a prophet greater than even Moses himself. We read this in Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Sinai on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. In this part of the speech, Moses is looking forward at something God will do. He's going to send someone to be like Moses, to stand in the breach between the people and God, so that the people can hear the words of God. It's important that he references what happened there at Sinai, when God spoke the Ten Commandments so that all Israel could hear them. Remember the people shrunk away from the mountain and feared that they would die if they would hear any more of Yahweh's words. So great was their power and impact. The people needed someone to listen to God and then tell them what God had said. And that's where Moses had stepped in. He was the mediator for them, the prophet who said God's words and told God's law to the people. Well, the prophet like Moses who is to come will be just like that. He will have the words of God in his mouth, and he will speak all that God commands. And not only that, but he will carry with him judgment from Yahweh for any that do not listen. A prophet like Moses is coming. And 1,500 years later, this prophet does come. A prophet who speaks the very words of God to the Israelites within Canaan. A prophet fulfilling the law and a prophet instituting a new covenant. A prophet who is also God himself. Moses' speech explains the laws given by God. It rehashes the history of Israel so far, and it encourages the people to faith in God and obedience to His commands. It has the context of conquest, the character of a great leader, and the courage needed to press on to take the land of Canaan. But this speech is nothing without the greater context, character, and courage. Because this speech comes in the context of the great war against the serpent and against sin. It has the character of a righteous leader descended from the woman Eve, who will be the king over Israel and who will be a prophet like Moses. And finally, it has encouragement to move on to the next stage of the war, a stage that will occur in the land of Canaan. Moses' speech is not just for the Israelites in front of him. No, Moses' speech is a speech for the ages.
Join us next time as Moses concludes his speech to the people with two options. They can choose life or death, good or evil. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023